Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. Let's pray. Father God, as we look at your word, we pray that you'll speak to us truth, enable us to understand, help us to have a sense as your spirit leads us to come to this place of realizing that you're communicating with each of us individually. You have words of life for each of us here today. And I pray that there would be a desire in our hearts this morning to hear from you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, One of the key means of overcoming worry, uh, which is the second week of the series that we're in today, is to understand about making good choices. Uh, If we're able to make good choices, we're able to overcome worry. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, we're going to be looking at some verses uh, from there to look at this process of decision-making. And one of the reasons that uh, we worry about making decisions is actually twofold. Firstly, sometimes we worry about what choice we should make. We're not sure what we should do. Uh, sometimes, we, as a result of the choice, we then worry because we worry about the consequences of the choices that we make. So sometimes we can freeze. We're not sure what to do, and simply making a choice can become a really big deal. Now, it can be something small, like it, do I choose chocolate ice cream or strawberry ice cream? Well, that's really easy. You just choose both. But there are other significant choices where sometimes there's a fair bit of worry and anxiety, which decision do I make? What should I do? And of course, the other one is once we have made a choice, sometimes we realize it perhaps hasn't been a good choice and we can sort of see the consequences coming our way. We understand there's going to be some pain associated with our bad choice. Now, it's interesting, but I can go back 50 years and I can still feel the stress and the worry of some bad choices when I was just a, a small boy. Firstly, there was a time when I was visiting my auntie and I decided to go into the local bush and set off some firecrackers. Uh, that was in the day when you could have fireworks and we weren't in a nanny state. Uh, however, I caused a fire, a, a rather large fire, and the sound of the fire engines coming in the distance only added to my stress. But do you know, I can revisit that pain and I can feel that worry and that stress all over again. There was another time when I was about seven or eight that I arrived at school and the police were there. And you know, when that happens, it soon gets round. We understand why. There was a group of us uh, that found in the bush, spent a lot of time in the bush seemingly in Maryborough, but found this old shack. It was pretty run down. And there's about six or eight of us boys who are using it as a fort. We're playing war games and we're running in and out of it and all those sorts of things. Well, we found out later on someone owned that shack (laughs) and um, the police turned up at school. Now, I didn't cry because boys don't cry. Well, they do. I'll take that back. That's just a joke. Just boys, it's okay to cry. But I I wasn't going to cry in front of all my mates. But I can tell you, I was unravelling as we're all sitting in the headmaster's office waiting to have our interview with the police. I understood that uh, bad choices come with bad consequences and there's a whole lot of worry associated with those things. So today we're going to look at this passage from Proverbs 3. It's very well known 
and we're going to establish, I suppose, a, get to, a, a, a plan uh, where we're able to have a system in place where we make good choices. Uh, a foundation of thinking from which we make our choices that enable us to make good and godly choices. So if you have your Bibles from chapter 3, we're going to read from verse 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Now, as Sam said, we make hundreds of decisions every day. Some of them are are small decisions, some of them are very significant. But in our decision-making process, we have to be very disciplined. We have to be self-controlled. We need to be able to uh, understand the importance of the decision and the consequences, and we need to make sure that we stay focused. And the writer here is saying, stay focused on what God teaches Have an understanding of what God is saying and let that be a part of your decision-making process. Uh, Don't get carried away, but be self-controlled and have that confidence that you have to make a good choice. Now, confidence is a wonderful thing when it comes to decision-making because sometimes, as I said, we can almost have so much fear that we're unable to make a decision. We freeze. What do I do? On the other hand, we don't want to have, oh, well, it doesn't matter, I'll just choose anything, it'll be fine. We want to have this disciplined, controlled approach where we don't forget to allow God to be central to our decision-making, where we have this understanding that we're going to be controlled in our thinking, and so we have a plan in place. We're going to focus on what God has to say to us, and we'll talk more about how that happens practically. But the danger that you and I have is that sometimes we feel that we make the choice. But the writer is saying here, it is very good to stay focused, uh, to be consistent, to narrow down and have a thought in your mind or a process in your mind, sorry, where you do that. Why? Because I have come to discover that if you make bad choices, there are bad consequences. Bad choices bring a lot of pain and it can be ongoing pain. However, if I make good choices and they're godly choices, then as the writer suggests here, we have a blessed life. So there's a great deal of blessing that comes when we make good choices. Let's look at verse 8. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Uh, It's virtually talking about, I suppose, this sense where it soothes our soul. Good choices is like a balm that's soothing. And when we do that, it brings nourishment to us in that sense. But as we read from verse 13, it amazes me that we don't, uh, I suppose, that we'd ever turn our back on God's wisdom. It, It amazes me, I suppose, that we sometimes think that we know best. Because let's listen to what the writer says from verse 13. And it it sort of sums up, I suppose, in a way, this blessed place that we can be in when we're confident to make good choices because we know that God is guiding our choices. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are pleasant ways and her paths are peace. She is the tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who laid hold of her will be blessed. 
And so we're reminded here in very powerful ways, uh, the writer uses wonderful phrases, the tree of life. It's talking about this heavenly bliss. It talks about the blessing of the life that we have when we know that God is guiding our decision-making, when God is guiding us. And if we were to unpack that, and if we just need to get a little insight, I suppose, of understanding, consider this. Consider someone who gets to the end of their life and all that they have done is made bad choices, where they haven't always, I suppose, thought about that or connected with God about a decision, but they've just made bad choices. Imagine someone who'd gone through their whole life and their decision-making had been poor all of that time. Or compare it to someone who's lived their whole life and their decision-making has been wise. They've sought God. They've been disciplined in their thinking. Imagine the difference of life as you look back and reflect on those lives. And that would seem to me to be this encouragement to understand the importance of honing in and being controlled and letting God uh, advise us or guide us and lead us in the processes of making decisions. Now, at this point, we might well say, well, how does that happen? Uh, How do we... It's all right, I I agree with what you're saying, but how do we know it's God speaking? Uh, How do we get to that place of making good choices? What's the plan that we need to have? Well, there's a new career path, and it's called being an influencer. Uh, What's an influencer? I'm glad you asked, because I looked it up, and this is what it said. What, What is a social media influencer? It says this, over the last decade, we've seen social media grow rapidly. Four billion people, that's almost half of the world's population, are involved in social media. And inevitably, these influencers are able to guide people in the decisions that they make. And so, influencers in social media are people who have a reputation. They're known as people who have a certain expertise. They know things. And these influencers are people that share on social media and there's this whole group of enthusiastic, eager people who listen to them. So if one of those influencers as a lady buys this dress, then a whole lot of ladies are going to buy that same dress. If, if it's a guy's, if someone buys this tool, uh, and then a whole lot of guys will follow. So these social influencers are renowned experts and they have a following and they help people make decisions. So how do we get to the place where we make good godly decisions? We allow God to be the influencer in our life. We allow God to be the one. You know why? Because he has some expertise. He knows things. If you look in verse 19 and 20 of this chapter, it talks about God's wisdom being demonstrated in how he created the world and how he put it together. So God has influence if we let him. But God has expertise. There's no doubt about that. That, That's not for question. He knows stuff. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. He knows how life works. He knows what matters. He knows what doesn't matter. And it would make sense for us when it comes to making decisions to let Jesus be the influencer. Let God by his spirit influence our thinking. Now we would all agree with this, but we have to come to the place of realizing is this what practically happens? Is this how I go about life? I have a tendency to make choices and then I say to God, God bless it. (laughs) Or I have a tendency to make a bad choice, consequences come my way and then I say, God, will you fix it? But what we need to do is make a habit of understanding that God needs to be the influence by his spirit. We need to engage God's spirit 
and so that he's able to speak to us. Now, if God is just someone out there, then all this knowledge uh, in a relationship is unavailable to us. So if you haven't come to that place where you're a child of God because you've recognised who Jesus is and what he's done, there's this knowledge and wisdom and information, but it's not for you to enjoy because God speaks to us by his spirit and he speaks in and through us. And so I'd encourage you, if there's anyone who's outside of the family of God here today, this wisdom and knowledge, this insight in how we should live, this peace and this joy, this heavenly bliss, this tree of life, this wisdom which is better than gold, which is saying something because its stocks are sky high at the moment. If we can have all of these things that are available to us, then I'd encourage you to come to the place where you have a relationship with God where he can speak truth into your hearts. However, there's something else that worries me. And it's this, as a child of God, I don't always listen. As a child of God, it's possible for us to go through life without calling upon this wisdom of God. And we do it for all sorts of reasons. We do it because sometimes we think we know better. Instinctively, we think, I know my life and I know what's good for me. I know what to enjoy. So sometimes we don't always include God. Sometimes we just get into the habit of saying no to God. Because sometimes when we approach God or sometimes when we allow his spirit to speak to us, he may ask us to do things that aren't comfortable or they may not seem pleasant or they may not seem right. And sometimes we say no to God. But the main problem that we have in understanding life and understanding God's influence is that we listen to other people or we listen to other sources of information. And so one of the ways to overcome worry in decision making is this to understand how easily you and I are influenced by the woes around us. We are so partial to be influenced by others and the world. And they're not bad things, but they sometimes just take us away from the best things. And sometimes we just need to, I suppose, come to that place to be respectful of God. As God's children, we need to respect his sovereignty and his power. And you'll read there, God knows stuff. He created the world and all that's in it. He created you. He knows how you're wired. He knows how you're made. He knows what's important. He knows what's going to satisfy you. He knows what's going to make you content. He knows what really matters. And yet sometimes, because we think we know best, we're not listening to God so much, but we're letting other people and other things influence us. And as we read from verse 7, it says this, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And, and I suppose that's where we all have a weakness. Uh, God's given us a brain. Uh, he's given us common sense. And we're able to think through life quite well generally in, in some things. However, the moment that we take that in the wrong way and we think that we don't need to consult God or that we have the wisdom or we have the knowledge then easily we find ourselves going off the path. The writer says, shun evil. And your response to me, Paul, I'd never let evil determine my choices. But what he's saying is this, if God's not speaking to you, someone else is. If it's not God leading your life, someone or something else is. Why would you make yourself vulnerable to a source other than God's wisdom? And often that can lead in, I suppose, to a point where uh, those things turn out not always to be as good as they should be. So that's why we're told to shun evil, because if our default position is anything other than God, then we're letting the world and our neighbours and our friends influence us. 
Now, I don't do a lot of social media. I don't sort of get into that all that much. But I understand there's some weird people out there and they do weird stuff, but they can be very convincing. And it's not hard to become a follower of falseness. It's not hard to become followers of these people. And if they say this is great and it's all on social media, it's really easy for us. Oh, that must be great. And we follow. So the writer here says, don't trust your own wisdom. Don't trust the wisdom of others. But be self-controlled and disciplined. Don't think that you have any wisdom at all. But understand that wisdom that counts comes from God. It comes from him. As we read on from verse 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. This is really interesting because loving faithfulness in the Hebrew talks about an obligation that we have in a relationship. So loving faithfulness in my marriage means that I have obligations to Kath, that I would be loyal Uh, that I would uh, protect her, that I would look after her, that I would take out the bins each week. That's a loving faithfulness. So the word talks about the obligations that we have in a relationship. So we have husband and wife relationship, we have parent and children relationships, we have uh, neighbours, we have workmates. There are certain obligations for those relationships to work. And what the writer is saying is we need to have a loving faithfulness. We need to continue with the obligations that we have within those relationships. Obviously, he is talking about our responsibility in our relationship with God. That we need to have a loving faithfulness. You see, we can understand, last week we talked that God is faithful. That's fine. (laughs) It's good to say, yes, God is faithful. We can trust him. But unless there's a loving faithfulness where we understand our obligation in the relationship with God, wisdom is worthless. Why? Because it's no good just knowing what to do unless we do it. It's no good having the knowledge and saying, well, this is what God teaches or this is what God says. There's no point of us saying, well, I think God is saying this, but not doing it. We need to have this loving faithfulness where we understand the obligation that we have in this relationship. And this is it. God speaks and we obey. God guides us and we do. That's how the relationship works. This is this loving faithfulness. We are obligated to play our part. And what is our part? It's to listen and to do. And so wisdom is this understanding of not just saying, well, I know stuff, but we actually have to do stuff. We have a loving obligation to God to hear his voice and to obey. And so I found from my own experience, this sort of centers a great deal on what my life's going to look like. Because I have known and I have journeyed uh, for a number of years in faith and I have slowly grown and I've read and I've taken all these things in. So there's, I need to be careful how I say this, (laughs) there's lots of things I know, there's lots of things I don't know, but there's lots of things I know. But that's pointless unless I do it. And so when the writer talks about this loving faithfulness, he's saying we have obligation in this deal with God. This covenant of love, he's God, he speaks, he created the world, he knows how we should live, we need to listen and we need to do. And it's really important, I suppose, that we get to that point. So how do we know if God is speaking? How do we know if it's God who is speaking to us at all? Uh, I think this is a, a case where we could... Uh, spend some time on discerning the will of God 
and we could spend several weeks on it. But I think the main area of coming to this point is trusting this relationship. Trust is the key to hearing from God because there's a couple of things that happen. Firstly, sometimes we dispute that it's God speaking because what he says we don't like. So I'm like that. God says something to me and I go, oh, that can't be God speaking. That must be someone else. So sometimes there's a hesitancy for me to listen to God because I don't like what he's asking me to do. So there's some doubt. I'm not sure. So there's this level of trust where even if God's asking us to do something uh, and it's not comfortable, it's not convenient, but we still do it. As we come to verse 5 and 6, the verses that everyone knows... Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Trust is the key element to making good choices because sometimes good godly choices won't be convenient. They won't be what we want. They won't be what we're asking for. But remember, God knows stuff. He just happens to create the world and you. He knows stuff, so we need to listen. So we need to trust him even when it's not convenient. Now, I have five, I think, five small grandsons. Is that right? I've got ten altogether. I think there's five each. Anyway, I have four, five small grandsons. So I have watched the Cars movie a million times. And if you're a, a parent or a grandparent, then you've watched Cars as well. A million times. You've suffered in the same way that I do. The only good thing is there's four videos on cars, so you get a little bit of variety. But there's one line in the Cars movie that keeps coming through, and it describes how you steer a car around a corner in the dirt road. And, and this is the mantra. You have to turn right to turn left. So don't try it. But if you're on a dirt road, it's actually like you sort of have to fling the car around so you turn right to go left. Now, not Steve McQueen, what's his name? Lightning McQueen, that's right. Lightning McQueen is this race car and all he's ever been is on bitumen roads. So you just, when you want to go left, you turn left. But when he catches up with the older guy who tells him how to drive and his name is? That guy, yeah. (laughs) Doc, that's right, Doc Martin or someone. Anyway, he, no, it's not him. Okay, he's used to, and so to go around a corner on a dirt road to get the tail of the car to swing out, you actually turn right to go left. And poor old Lightning McQueen cannot handle this for ages, but it gets to the point at the end of the movie, like it always does, where the penny drops and he gets it and he understands. There will be times when God will say to you, you need to turn right to go left. And unless we trust him, we're going to rebel and rebuke and run for our lives and we're not going to do it. But God knows stuff. The writer says he has wisdom. He actually just put the world together. He put you together. So there will be times when we need to just trust God where he says, turn right to go left. Might make sense. It mightn't be what we think we should do, but we need to trust him. So I find that when people say, how do you know if it's God speaking? One of the key things that we need to do is to trust him because often we doubt that it's God speaking simply because it doesn't make sense. Now, there's a whole lot of other uh, things and that we need to, a lot of other filters that we need to have before we talk about that, and that will be from some other time. But when it comes to godly wisdom, we need to trust him. We need to trust him. The other reason that we need to trust God a lot in this 
is because many people feel overwhelmed um, by this decision-making process. They sometimes feel that God will give up on them. Because when you go to seek God's will for your life, when you're asking for wisdom to make a good choice, sometimes I go, God, I'm not getting it. I'm a little slow. And sometimes I feel like it's an exam. You know, and God's got his will, and he's got it written down there, what my life's going to look like, and he's going to hold his, and he says, guess again, Paul, guess again. It's like I have this attitude that God's like some teacher, and he doesn't want me to get it right. You need to trust that God wants you to live the bestest life. You have to trust that he wants to make his wisdom known to you. God wants you to have his plan and purpose. And we need to trust that he's on our side. You see, I'm a slow learner. Sometimes I don't get it. Sometimes God's telling me stuff and it just doesn't register. But you know what? He's not given up on me. Why? Because he's committed to me. Why? He wants me to live the bestest life. And sometimes we see God and his will and we're scared of it and we don't know what he's saying. Oh, you know, guess again, Paul. It's like an exam. It's not. (laughs) So we need to relax and trust God. He's on your side. And if it's your desire to know his will and purpose, he will reveal it to you. Just just don't, don't stress. He's the good, good father. He wants you to enjoy the life and the wisdom that he has for you. Just enjoy the journey. And yet sometimes when it comes to making decisions, oh, does God say that? Was that God or not? And we get ourselves in such a tiz that we freeze and we become stressed and anxious. We need to come to the place where we realize that he's the good, good father. Look at verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father the son he delights in. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. Yes, as we go through life, there's things that alter our character, there's things that shape us. Some of those are painful. But we have this view where God's discipline is like a good, good father, where we understand that he's on our side. And so I want us today to understand this. God has this gift of wisdom. It enables us to make good choices, godly choices. It enables us to overcome worry. Firstly, he'll guide and lead us so we can make choices with confidence. But second thing is we won't be worrying about the bad consequences of bad choices but God has this wisdom and he wants to bless you with it and if you desire to have his wisdom the Bible says all you have to do is ask for it now I've been around churches all of my life and I know the difference between asking God because I have to and genuinely asking God because I really want it and this is the test this is the point for me Because sometimes I've determined in my mind, this is the path that my life's going to take. And I have asked God for wisdom, but I don't really mean it. In other words, there's some part of me that just wants to do my thing. I want to follow my desires and my interests. And so when the Bible says, if you want wisdom, ask God for it, that's true. But you've got to be desperate for it. You've actually got to realize, I can't lean on my knowledge or the world's. I need to know what God wants. And when we have that desperate desire and when we're sincere and we say, God, give me wisdom, he will give it to you. Trust him. He's the good, good father. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you continue to uh, 
be committed to us. God, you know that I'm a slow learner. You know that sometimes I think I know better than you. God, there's sometimes when I don't always acknowledge your power and your sovereignty. But God, when we think about the reality that you created this world and you created me, it would make sense if I aligned my decision-making process with putting my faith and trust in you. Lord, so much worry would disappear if I learnt to trust your decision-making processes, if I learned to listen to your spirit. How does this happen? Well, it's moment by moment, it's day by day, it's week by week, it's second by second. It's investing in this relationship because as your children, your spirit lives within us. And you're wanting to lead and to guide us if only we'd listen. You want to lead and guide us if only we wouldn't be proud and think that we know better. You want to lead and guide us from within if only we'd be humble enough to realise that you're the author of life. Father God, help us to see that the bestest life is your gift to us as you allow your wisdom to make decisions. I pray today, Father God, as we respond, that we would come to this place of trust. You are a good, good Father. God, I'm going to focus in, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to listen to your voice. I may not get it straight away, but it's not a test. You're on our side. But I want to be to this place where every day I wake up and say, God, lead and guide me from within. May I come to that place where I trust your decisions and I trust your processes and I build my decision-making on your wisdom. And then, Lord, I'll be in a position to overcome all the worry that comes with decision-making, either what decision to make or the consequences after we've made a bad one. God, we want to trust you. We want to listen to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name.